Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hello. We are in a series about God in the middle of our mess. And this series has been been inspired by an experience that a man called Jacob had in the Old Testament. While he was in a very mundane moment of his life, busy resting on his journey, he had a dream from God. And in Genesis chapter 28 verse 16, it then describes, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. How often do we experience this way of life? Often God seems absent, or we assume he is not in certain places and spaces within our lives, especially the painful, messy, or mundane areas. But his promise is that he will never leave or forsake us, meaning it's not God that's absent, it's us that overlook his presence because of distorted perceptions. And so last week, We focused on God in the middle of marriage's messy moments. We can very often overlook or not see God in the middle of a struggle. But when we step back and acknowledge his presence, like Jacob, we may say, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. And so today, I want to go from a focus on our marriage relationship to our relationship with the local church. And today I want to speak into God in the middle of an imperfect church. There are so many distorted perceptions people have about the church. Some people perceive the church to be a place for perfect people. And so if they see someone displaying any action that isn't perfect, they call them hypocrites. A lot of people leave the church saying, I don't want to be part of the church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, in many ways, that is the truth. The church is full of hypocrites, but that's why we are followers of Jesus, because Jesus' perfection replaced our imperfection on the cross. So if you find the perfect church, please don't join it, because then it won't be perfect any longer. Sometimes people have the perception that the church just judges those who don't follow the rules or are weak and don't have their lives altogether. But here's the thing, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30 clarifies the qualifications needed for someone to come to him. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me, all those that have spent five hours in prayer and have got their life all together. He says, when you are weary and when you are burdened, When you are broken, when you're not getting things right, when you're struggling, come to me and I will give you rest. Now with this understanding, let's remember that the church today is described as Christ's body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27. We are called the hands and feet of Jesus. So we should be declaring those words to the world around us with open arms. Come to me, all who are weary, imperfect, suffering, addiction or weak. Because God wants to give you rest. Waiting to go to church when you get your life cleaned up is like waiting to go to the ER when you stop bleeding. You see, at the end of the day, church is a hospital for the sick, not a museum for the saints. And so, contrary to the perception that the church is there to judge people who don't follow the rules and are weak, it actually is the other way around. Those that don't get things right, that are weak, are called to come to Jesus. And the church is the hope to the world in that place. 
Some people have the perception that the church is a public building that they go to on a Sunday to receive a service from a public servant who spends the week sitting on a mountaintop, hearing the voice of God to come down the mountain on a Sunday and share a message with everyone. I've even had people ask me, Pastor, what's your real job? (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 in the New Testament says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Think about the fact that you are called the church. And then Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 12 in the New Testament says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You don't just go to church. You are the church. And my responsibility as the pastor is to empower you to be the church, not to sit on a mountaintop hearing God just to preach to you on Sundays. And this is why as Southside Church, we have built our church around an on-ramp to getting you connected into a life group where you can be held accountable for next steps or getting connected into one of our serve teams so that you can make a difference because you are the church. It's interesting that in the Bible, the first time the word church is used is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and it's Jesus who is speaking. In this historical record, Jesus had asked his close followers, known as the disciples, who they thought he was after all the debate around his identity by others. And at this point, one of his disciples, Peter, responds and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And we read Jesus' response to Peter's declaration. Jesus says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This was Jesus' prophecy of the church we are now part of. And when he used the word church here, it's from the Greek term translated ecclesia. And an ecclesia was simply a gathering or an assembly of people called out for a specific purpose. So when Jesus used the term church, his disciples understood him to be saying, I am going to build my own assembly of people for my purposes and the foundation of this new assembly will be me. The reality is that even in the complexity, the struggles and the misconceptions around what it means to be the church, Jesus is at the center because he is the foundation of who we are as the church on the earth. You don't go to church. You are the church, the gathering of his people under a vision with Jesus as the foundation. So when you feel, I don't need to go to church because I have, you know, Christian TV and podcasts, what you're doing is you're actually neglecting the gathering, which defines what the church is. And when you feel you don't need to be with others in a church gathering to have church, you're not being true to who the church is. A part of the identity of your God-given design involves the community of local church under a common vision. And the enemy knows this, and therefore he seeks to leverage our emotions to create the church-hurt-me mindsets in us that cause us to isolate ourselves and often begin demonizing the church or objectifying the church. Our language becomes like they when we speak of the church rather than us or me. 
And this mentality is often driven by the idea that somewhere we have an experience and, and, and we feel like that's not how Jesus would be and you're supposed to be the church. And then we leave the church to be with Jesus at home alone. Let me remind you that God is the head of the church. So disengaging from a church community to go and be Jesus and me is in some way distancing yourself from God as the head of the church that hurt you. The church is also described as the bride of Christ in scripture. So to love Jesus but live separated from the local church is like saying, I love you, Lord, but I don't like your wife. The enemy seriously wants to isolate us and separate us from being part of the local church. He wants to convince us that church is something we do alone with Jesus rather than something we do in a gathering or assembly of people under a common vision. Because he knows the power of our unity in which God commands a blessing. The enemy also works strategically seeking to lead us to replace being the church with just doing church. In the scriptures, in Matthew chapter 7, there's a portion where Jesus says, Many will say to me on, the, on that final day of judgment, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, heal the sick? But I will say to them, Go away from me, for I did not know you. And when they use the word know there, in the original language, it's the word genosco, which means to know out of relationship and not mere religious head knowledge. What we learn from the scripture is that many people can do church, even do it well, but they can miss the relationship with Jesus in which their identity as the church is a significant part of their journey. And so they can do church without being the church. They can do Christianity without being Christ-centered. And Jesus wants to know us with him as the center of our lives in relationship. And so when he is at the center, we don't just do church, but we become the church. And if you are being the church, you will fight for reconciliation because it restores your relationships with your spiritual family. If you are the church, you process and work through hurtful moments because often it is a sign that you're growing personally. If you are the church, you don't see it as an organization that just wants your money because you're sowing into the soil that you are laboring in for a harvest. If you are the church, you protect unity, even if it means surrendering your preferences, because you want God's blessing upon what you own. You and I are the church. We don't just go to church. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, had the best and wisest pastor, leader, teacher, and friend. Yet he criticized, rejected, and despised it all. The problem isn't always the leadership or the church you go to. And one of our highest priorities should be to always protect the unity of the church rather than fighting to be right. You are the church. Some of you might be hearing this now and going, well, if I am the church, then there's no need to be part of one. But when we understand that we are the church, we need to understand that we are a part of it. And we are described in scripture as being a limb on a body as a whole. We aren't the church as a whole on our own. We are a limb attached to the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 to 27 explains, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, 
The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one. One body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it. Here we see that we are a limb attached to a body, that we have a significant role to play. Many of us will be familiar with the phrase, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. This phrase means don't overact and do something that is more harmful to you than to others. Let's apply this to our relationship with the church. Many Christians cut off their limb from the body to spite the church for hurting them. Not realizing that the body will remain alive without a limb, but the limb without the body will die. So let me rephrase that statement we looked at just now. Don't cut off your limb to spite the church. You won't survive spiritually alone. The kingdom principle is that to flourish, you need to be connected. You need to be planted. Psalm 92 verse 13 to 15 says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. To plant is to lay down roots in one piece of ground with the intention of growing. And we are called to be planted in partnership with the vision of the local church, a gathering or assembly of people, and not just to attend as members of a religious club. When you understand that you are part of the body, you understand the significance of being planted in partnership and not just attending as a member. The Apostle Paul writes to the church and describes this when he says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 to 6, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The word partnership here in the Greek is the word which means contributor. Partnering as we are planted means rooting ourselves with a meaningful contribution, a contributor to the vision through our time, our talents and our treasure. As I, the pastor, equip and empower you for the good works of making a difference because you are the church. Nikki Gumbel, the well-known church leader and one of the key pioneers of the Alpha Course, said these words. He said, stop looking for the perfect church. It does not exist. Join an imperfect church and serve in every way you can 
to make it nearer perfection. Having acknowledged that you are the church, having acknowledged that church is more than membership, but it's partnership under a common vision, having acknowledged that you cannot do church alone, but only when you're gathered together in the assembly of others under a vision, I want to ask you the following question. What personal next steps do you need to take to move from being a member to a partner in the local church? And my prayer is that as you plant yourself in a local house, that you would begin to see and experience God working in areas of your life like you have never seen before. That you would flourish and bear fruit in every season and even in old age. And that you would then, like Jacob, declare the words, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it.